There's always been a small detail that bothered us about the first news story on Donna's case. It was published in the Visalia Times Delta as a missing story, and it said that one of Donna's shoes was found in the grove with her bike. We dismissed it as confusion and have always assumed that the clothing trail was, in fact, left on the road by Donna's killer. However, in doing some recent research on the Brumley story from Sunday, December 28, 1975, we discovered subsequent stories in the Fresno Bee, Tulare Advance Register, and Long Beach Press Register. It repeated the shoe find and added that her underwear and Kotex were also found on Friday night in the grove with Donna's bike. This really started to nag at us and made us go back and review the relevant TCSO reports and witness testimony. What we discovered has made us question everything we had always taken for granted as the truth about the trail of Donna's clothing. Vasilia Times Delta, Saturday, December 27, 1975. When she failed to arrive at home, her parents began a search around the residence. The bicycle was found in an orange grove along with a shoe. Officers said they are unsure if the shoe belongs to the missing girl. I don't want to talk about it, Mrs. Richmond said in a telephone conversation. Somebody's got her. They found her shoe. They've, the sheriff's deputies, been here all night. I just don't want to talk about it. Fresno B, Sunday, December 28, 1975. When she failed to arrive at the family home north of Exeter, a brother set out along the route she normally took to go home. He spotted her bicycle, according to the sheriff's office, in a grove of trees. Nearby were a shoe and a feminine undergarment. Tulare Advance Register, Monday, December 29, 1975. Approximately 150 persons, including about 15 Tularians, joined the search for the girl after her brother found the girl's bicycle and some of her clothes in a grove of trees. Nancy Richmond, who telephoned the sheriff's office at 7.15 p.m. Friday, reporting that her missing daughter's bicycle and some clothing was found after a search by family and friends. Long Beach Press Register, Monday, December 29, 1975. The girl was declared missing Friday afternoon after one of her shoes and her underwear were found lying near her bicycle on a pathway that she normally took to get from her rural home in Exeter. There seems to be a high degree of specificity in those stories. Donna's brother found her shoe and panties and Kotex in the grove with her bike on the night of the 26th. If it were just the Times Delta story, quickly written while Donna was still missing, it would be understandable that a few facts were wrong. However, the Fresno Bee and Tulare Advance Register are totally unrelated papers with different reporters and a read of the article shows that they had interviewed different sources, and they had all of the other details correct. The Long Beach Press Register picked up the story from the AP, but they were the only AP outlet that reported the clothing detail and the pathway location of the bike. Early on the morning of the 27th, David Richmond, Jim Diet, and Jerry Runciman went out to look for Donna and reported finding one of her shoes on the side of the road. They were aware that someone living out in the area by Oscar's house had been arrested, so focused their search there. The shoe was found about five miles west of the location where Donna's bike was discovered. Although there is a report from TCSO Logan dated December 27, 1975, 
Notes from Byrd make it clear that the report was actually prepared sometime in January 1976 at Byrd's direction. The report states the time as 9.40 a.m. At trial, Officer Logan testified that he personally found the shoe and turned it over to Johnson and Byrd, who arrived at the scene. However, Johnson did not go to that scene, and his report stated that he received the shoe later that morning from Byrd. On cross, Logan admitted that he got a radio call that a citizen had found the shoe, but the jury never heard that the shoe was found by the victim's brother and his friends. The shoe was found 15 to 20 feet off the road and appeared to have been carefully placed, resting flat on its sole, as if on display. There were no fingerprints on the shoe, including Donna's. Its placement on the south side of the road suggested someone traveling east, back towards Exeter. Everything about the location and condition of the shoe was inconsistent with the idea that Clifton tossed it from the westbound lane as he headed home. Additionally, there were tire marks in the dirt near the shoe, but Sergeant Byrd determined that they could not have come from Clifton's truck, so the tracks were only accidentally photographed. They were not measured or described in any report. There is no contemporaneous TCSO report that documents the finding of Donna's panties and Kotex pad and belt. At trial, TCSO King testified that he found them, but his report for that time frame states only, quote, 0900 hours, reporting officer was detailed to assist in a search of the area between suspect Clifton's residence and the area where her bicycle was found. His report then includes a detailed description of being called to Neal Ranch and all of the activities at that scene. Why doesn't King's report have any mention of the panties and Kotex if he was the person who found them? That's a critical piece of evidence in the case, and there is no written documentation of how or even when the items were found. TCSO McKinney's report indicates that he received the call to go to the Road 176 location at about 10.10 a.m., so presumably Donna's first shoe and panties were discovered at nearly the same time on two different roads, and neither TCSO deputy made a contemporaneous written report about those events. This also might explain one of the least rational parts of the clothing trail story. Why would Oscar driving west on Avenue 264 toward home, suddenly turn right up Road 176, travel north at random distance, placed on his panties and Kotex in the ditch, not leaving any tire footprints, drive a bit further north, then do a U-turn, head back down to Avenue 264, and turn right. There is absolutely nothing special about that location. The panties were neither displayed nor hidden, and... There are plenty of ditches along Avenue 264 between Road 176 and Oscar's house. When we first looked at the panty scene, we couldn't figure out what TCSO's theory was for that location. Donahue didn't seem to understand it either, and he spent a huge amount of time at trial trying to get TCSO officers to say that the panties could not have ended up where they were by being thrown out of a southbound truck. Donahue was correct, but he missed the point. Other than Donna's pants, all of the clothing items were on the wrong side of the road and could not have been thrown or dropped from a moving vehicle. However, there's another problem with Road 176. It doesn't go through to Marinette and Neil Ranch. So, once again, 
TCSO were forced into another crazy story that made no sense. Oscar was in a panic, throwing items out of his truck as he drove. For some reason, as he was driving west on Avenue 264, he detoured north up Road 176. Instead of dropping all the clothing in the ditch, he carefully placed just the panties and kotex without leaving tire or footprints. After the detour, immediately after turning back on Avenue 264, he dropped the pants in the middle of the road. He then picked another random spot, pulled off on the wrong side of the road, wiped all of the fingerprints off of Donna's shoe, and placed it 15 to 20 feet off the road on display on its sole, also leaving no tire or shoe prints. He drove a bit further and then picked another random spot, pulled off on the wrong side of the road, wiped all of the fingerprints off on his shoe, and placed it 15 to 20 feet off the road on display on its sole, again leaving no tire or shoe prints. All of this in full daylight, on a busy road, and nobody reported seeing Oscar, his truck, or any of the items until the pants after dark. If the pants sat there in the middle of the road for over an hour, why didn't anyone else come forward to report seeing them while it was still light? All of this is infuriating. Seriously, did TCSO officers get any training in police science or forensics? You have a murder scene staged to look like a sexual assault with the clothing inexplicably taken, a location that mimics Armour's homicide a year earlier, a planted ski mask that matches the Snelling killer, a staged kidnapping scene with no footprints or fingerprints, a planted invoice book and notepad that don't belong to the same person, empty bottles and cans with no fingerprints, including a rum bottle that calls back to the Snelling scene, and a constant EARMO, and a trail of the victim's clothing laid out on display in a map to the suspect's house. All of this carefully skirting all around the edges of Exeter PD jurisdiction, so every scene falls to TCSO. The fact that the written TCSO reports do not support the deputy's testimony would be less concerning if there were not multiple newspaper reports that clearly state that the shoe and panties were actually found the night before in the grove with Donna's bike. The strange nature of the clothing trail is reinforced by a close reading of TCSO Johnson's report from Neil Ranch. 1435 hours, 1227.75. Arrived at Av 288, just east of Frank Kern Canal, where victim had been located. Reporting officer assisted in taking scene photos, collecting evidence, and photographing foot and tire track. Evidence collected included soil samples, possible blood samples, leaf samples, and pieces of victim's clothing. What pieces of victim's clothing? Johnson did not create an evidence tag or inventory any item of Donna's clothing collected at Neal Ranch. Every single item is accounted for. All clothing can be seen on Donna's body in the pre-autopsy funeral home photos and is clearly accounted at the end of that same report by Johnson. Donna's socks, bra, blouse, jacket, coat, and scarf are all found on her body and remained on her body until autopsy. 
Every single item had an evidence tag and a chain of custody card. The only clothing unaccounted for that could have been collected at Neal Ranch would have been Donna's other shoe and her pants. However, both of those items were miraculously found the next morning. At 8.30 a.m. on the 28th, Sergeant Bird arrived at the Farmersville home of Laverne Lamb. According to the report of TCSO Woodcox, he received a call from Mrs. Richmond at 7.30 a.m. that morning, and she stated that a Mrs. Lamb had called at 8.30 p.m. the night before and said she might have Donna's missing pants. Woodcox said that he found Mrs. Lamb in the phone book, called her, and then got a message to Bird, who proceeded to the Lamb residence. Although Sergeant Bird stated in his report that he took a statement from Mrs. Lamb, it was never provided to the defense, and it became a point of contention after the trial. Clifton was never able to read that original statement. However, like so many of Bird's stories, this one seems unusually complicated. Several obvious questions arise from the inconsistencies surrounding Donna's pants. 1. Why would Lamb call Mrs. Richmond? They weren't friends and didn't know each other. Wouldn't she call the police instead of the missing or murdered girl's distressed mother? Why does Bird's report state that it was Mrs. Lamb who called TCSO, not Mrs. Richmond? Number two, why would Mrs. Richmond need to call TCSO the following morning? There was a phone trap on her phone, and TCSO officers were still at her house. She'd been close friends with Sergeant Bird for about 15 years. Why didn't she tell the officers who were right there or call Bird directly? Three, why did Mrs. Lamb give several different times for finding the pants? In Woodcock's report, it was 6.15, but in Bird's, it was changed to 5.45 p.m. Did Bird try to shift the time to be closer to when Clifton arrived home? Number four, why did Mrs. Lamb give multiple conflicting stories about what prompted her to call Mrs. Richmond? TCSO Woodcox's report said that Lamb learned about Donna's homicide from her daughter. She told Bird that she read about the homicide in the paper, but there'd been no such published story prior to the supposed phone call. There had been a missing story, but no description of Donna's clothing. At trial, she said that her friend had told her that Donna had been killed, and she just guessed that those might be her pants. Five. At trial, Mrs. Lamb was asked to show where she found the pants on a map, and she said she didn't think that she could. Supposedly, the pants were found just east of her workplace, on the same road. Why would that have been so confusing? Also, she stated that she found the pants at 5.45 as she left work and rushed to make it to the bank in Exeter before it closed. That's a right turn from work onto Avenue 264, and the pants were half a mile directly in front of her. However, at trial, she said she came south down Farmersville Road and then turned left onto 264. That's a story that's consistent with driving from her house, not work. Powell questioning Laverne Lamb at trial, June 28, 1976. All right, did something unusual happen with you on the 26th of December? Well, I guess. Well, do you... What happened on the 26th of December that was out of the ordinary? Well, I was on the way to the bank. I had been to work, and I was on the way to the bank, and I... The lights hit something on the white line in the road. Okay. And this was at nighttime then? Yes. It was quarter till six. All right. Did you stop? I went on past a good little ways, 
And then I backed up because it looked like new, something new, you know, clothing. So I backed up. And can you tell me where this was that you found this item? I believe it was 265. Can you look at the, do you see this map over here that's on this board? Witness nods head. Why don't you come up here and see if you can see this map? Now, this is people's number 13 for identification. Does this, see if you can familiarize yourself with the map. If you can or can't, just tell us. I don't, I don't think I can. Are you nervous? Uh Uh-huh. Have you ever testified before? No. All right. I probably could, but, but I... Can you remember now what road it was that or what? It was Avenue 264. Avenue 264 is where you found this? Uh Uh-huh. All right. And do you remember where on Avenue 264? It would be here because outside Creek School, it runs this way. Outside Creek? Outside Creek. I turned at Outside Creek School and go east, and it was, I would have probably been right in here somewhere. About how far was it from Road 176? About a mile, I would say. Okay. Possibly, or possibly less. I don't really know. It was right over just a little ways from the slough here. Okay. So it was past the slough going east. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Was it on the roadway? On the white line. Okay. That would be... Oh, you can resume the stand. And what was that item that you found? It was a pair of ladies' green pants. And what did you do with this item, this pair of pants, after you found them on the roadway? So I didn't... I just took them home and put them in the wash. Okay. And was there some reason you washed them? Well, I knew they'd fit our daughter. I never stopped to pick up anything on the road. I just never would. And what did you finally do with the trousers? Did you keep them or did you turn them over to someone? No, I called the Richmond home. After that, did you finally give the pants to some officer? Yes, I did. I turned them over to the officer. All right. And was that Detective Bird? Yes, it was. The gentleman seated to my right. Uh Uh-huh. Donahue on cross. And these this pair of slacks was lying on the center line when you first saw them? Yes, they were. And this was about 545, right? Quarter till six. Had you, you evidently drove south on road 164 from Farmersville? Yes, uh-huh. Road 164 to Avenue 264, is that correct? That's right. And then you made a left turn. At the Outside Creek School. Right. As you come down to the intersection of 164 and Road 264, Avenue 264, did you observe any vehicles on Ave 264? No, I did not. From the time you first turned on Road 264 until you saw the slacks lying there on the center line, you did not pass any vehicles that you recall? No, I didn't. Now... Before you washed Exhibit 20, did you see anything on the slacks other than mud? There was absolutely nothing. Specifically, Mrs. Lamb, do you recall seeing anything which, to you, appeared to have been a bloodstain? There was none. There was none at all? Nothing. That you observed, is that correct? Shakes head. 
And the only reason then I assume that you washed the slacks was because of the dirt on the left leg? That's right. Pettyjohn Report of January 8, 1976. Mrs. Laverne Lamb, employed at 16815 Avenue 264, advised the sheriff's office that on 12-26-75 at about 5.45 p.m., she was traveling east on Ave 264 in a hurry to get to the bank before it closed and noticed a pair of apparently new pants in the middle of the road. She stated she stopped and picked up the pants, which were ladies' dark green capris, ditto, brand name, with mud on left leg from bottom of seam up inside approximately eight inches. She took the pants home and washed them and later turned the same over to Sergeant Bird of the Sheriff's Office on 122875. Why would Mrs. Lamb be so confused about where she found the pants if she just left work and found them a minute later on the same road? Mrs. Lamb's employer was right by the pants on Avenue 264. Why at trial does she describe coming from home in Farmersville on her way to find the pants? Number six. Mrs. Lamb testified that the pants had no tire marks or damage and just had some mud splashed on the inseam, as if from Donna riding her bike. The night was wet and the pants were supposedly in the middle of the road, so they couldn't have been there since 440. Since Mrs. Lamb said she had washed them, they were useless as evidence. Number seven. The Lambs were Bird's neighbors when he lived in Farmersville and worked for the Farmersville PD. Bird personally rushed to Mrs. Lamb's house on Sunday morning and never produced her statement to the defense. Also, Bird did not turn over the pants to Johnson to be logged into evidence until January 8, 1976. At trial, TCSO Logan testified that he and Deputy Hoffman found on his second shoe, but again, none of this was contained in any of Logan's contemporaneous reports. Later in January of 1976, Bird ordered Hoffman to prepare reports to cover finding both the panties and Kotex with King on the 27th and the second shoe with Logan on the 28th. However, Hoffman never testified at trial. In fact, his name was never even mentioned at the trial. Hoffman's later report states that he and Logan found the second shoe at 8.55 a.m. on the 28th, also on the south side of Avenue 264, also resting off the road on its sole. So, on both Saturday and Sunday morning, a citizen reported finding an item of Donna's clothing at almost the exact same time that a TCSO officer supposedly found another item, but didn't write any report about it. We have always taken the clothing trail at face value. It didn't make sense for Oscar to leave Donna's clothing like breadcrumbs leading to his house. But we assumed that it was part of the real killer's scene staging. However, if there's any possibility that one of Donna's shoes, her underpants, and Kotex were found near the bike, and the pieces of victim's clothing documented as collected by Johnson but never logged into evidence were the other shoe and Donna's pants, there should be a full investigation.